<laughs> I was working on my PhD stuff today and I was thinking of how I've called him like a whiny bitch ass white boy <laughs> in all of my scripts, uh, in all of my uh, writing so far. And like every single time that I read it today, I was like, in your voice, in my head, was like, but Nemo. <laughs> this is you <laughs> well i think actually this week because this has been the journey my journey of marius and me flip-flopping yeah. on him i think that i love you too much for at least this week to let that statement stand the <laughs> <laughs> real embarrassing shit this week <laughs> um welcome to bread and barricades a lame podcast i'm nemo martin i use the pronouns i'm your host and <laughs> for dinner today i boiled some cabbage with my own free will <laughs> and i was as i was doing it the only thing that i could think of was wow is this what brexit has done to me <laughs> oh no why have i become a middle-aged slash older white man just like eating boiled cabbage with butter and oh i had God. a steak and ale pie <laughs> Oh no. So I'm officially revoking everything that I've said about um, Britain being bad. Uh, and uh, I'm going to hang the Union Jack over my uh, over my computer. And yeah, this is a British time for Nemo, I think. Wow. This is Stevie, she, they pronouns, primary researcher. I had a thing, but it's completely gone. I'm just oh, no. imagining what your house smells like now because there's nothing quite like boiled cabbage but just permeating a building. Yeah. I do want to say, like, I cooked it properly. You know, I didn't, like, boil it to a sludge. I cooked it as you do should cook any vegetable. But it is still boiled cabbage. It's still so. boiled cabbage. Well, um... Talking of boiled cabbage. Yeah, speaking, of, speaking of other yeah, other boys who are just the personality of a boiled cabbage. We are back with Marius. I think we Well, is I think it's always safe to say we left off with him doing something embarrassing. <laughs> uh yeah, where was he? He'd like made eye contact with Cosette and was having a feeling mm. and that he's like I've got to wear my good clothes yeah that's where he was and that he couldn't go near the bench mm. and not a whole ton has changed this week <laughs> um, so he's got a housekeeper called Madame Bouillon or this is what Couvrette called the old caretaker principal tenant housekeeper of the uh, Gorbeau tenements her name was actually Madame Bigon, but he had no respect for anything. This hooligan Kufarak. <laughs> we get a lot of Kufarak like injections of him more than any of these other boys. Yeah, he's just there being again the snide catty gay. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so I guess a constant and consistent characterization. <laughs> uh, so his. So yeah. She sees Marius keep leaving the house in his fancy clothes and is like, what is happening? I must... There's no TV. I've got to do something to kill an evening. <laughs> so she, she follows him to try and just like figure out where he keeps going in his nice clothes. But 
he's so quick that she can't catch up. Um, <laughs> Just imagining then... him like uh, anime, like speed walking, in which <laughs> she like turns around the corner and he's like dust in the distance. I think it basically is that like he's got that like blank f- expression he always has on because he's daydreaming, but he's actually <laughs> parkouring around the town, <laughs> <laughs> and she's really trying to hustle to keep up. <laughs> But because it is um, Victor Hugo, and I guess we have to assume that she's unmarried and has no children. (laughs) For shame, for shame. (laughs) It's like a hippopotamus trying to pursue an antelope. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So, classic. Um, Oh, she can't keep up. She's choked by her asthma and of her fury that I'm like, bitch, same. (laughs) Mood. (laughs) Um, she's just like it. Just where is the sense in putting your best clothes on every day and maybe making people run after you like that? <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just still he's going to these gardens, and there is the girl, and he gets as near as he can. Sometimes he pretends to read a book. Sometimes he'll sit on a bench and just <laughs> kind of try and side her, side eye her out of the corner of his eye. He's at one point sat on a bench for four hours watching these sparrows and they're just hopping around on the path and they give him the feeling that they're making fun of him. Oh my god. (laughs) They probably are. Yeah, probably. In in that anime, again, like, the the sparrows are like, and then it's like, it goes to their POV and they're like, this fucking idiot. (laughs) This absolute nerd. (laughs) Well, I think they are because he does this for a fortnight. Oh my god. And he just goes to the gardens, but he doesn't take his stroll anymore. He just sits in that one bench and he doesn't move. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine being like free enough from capitalism yeah. that you can just spend two weeks sitting on a bench looking at some sparrows? I guess he, because we know he has a job, but he must just do his translating in the morning or something. Because yeah. he's like timed his schedule to when he knows her in the gardens. So, right. I guess he's just moving his day around. But yeah, I can't, except for when I was a student, I can't imagine every single day having the time for four hours. But she is very beautiful, so maybe you make the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the o- so the only criticism you could make of how beautiful she is is that um, there's a contradiction in her gaze, which was sad, and her smile, which was happy, and that gave her an air of slight distraction, which meant that at a certain moment that sweet face had a strangeness about it. <laughs> So they kind of maybe well matched if she's also looking like kind of distracted and he's been described as looking very distracted. <laughs> um uh idiot for idiot. What was yeah. that thing called? Um Himbo for Bimbo? Yeah, Himbo for Bimbo. There we go. <laughs> so they can just like I like yeah. They can just like sit together and be like, wow, he thinks such deep thoughts. I love him. Wow, she thinks such deep thoughts. I love her. And they're both just like actually just not thinking of anything. But enjoying each other's company. What sweet, innocent children. Next, 
chapter captivated, in case it hadn't come across yet, just how captivated he is. We're on week two of Cosette Watch. And (laughs) (laughs) he's sitting on his bench with a book open, but he's not turned a page for two hours. Jesus. All at once he started. Something was happening at the end of the path. The father and daughter have stood up and they're walking towards Marius. And he is like, oh shit. And starts trembling, opens his book, closes the book, opens the book again, tries really hard to read. He's like, oh my god, I don't have enough time to make a good impression. Um, they still seem like they're walking towards him and he's like, what are they doing? What are they coming down here for? She's actually going to walk past me. Thrown into confusion, he wished that he was very handsome. He wished he had the Legion of Honor. He's imagining that whoever Monsieur Leblanc is is um, <laughs> looking at him with annoyance. <laughs> he's like, oh God, is he going to speak to me? <laughs> they finally walk past him. And she does actually turn and look steadily at, at Marius with a pensive sweetness that thrilled him from head to foot. Um, as if she was reproaching him, as if to say, why didn't you come walk past me? I've had to come and walk past you. And he's oh dazzled. <laughs> his brain is on fire. Uh, there are too many... There are too many... Adaptations of Les Mis. Uh, full stop. <laughs> full stop. Um, where, where this is portrayed, where their like meeting is like portrayed as being all like ooh dainty and like ooh like courtly, like ooh Jane Austen, ooh. But where's this? Where's this bimbo dumbass <laughs> just sitting on a bench with the book like back to front, like being like dazzled by a person just walking past him. <laughs> Losing his absolute fucking mind. It's such a hot mess. Like, I kind of, (laughs) at this point, love it for it. But he's... It's... They're just so embarrassing. (laughs) I really thought it was like their eyes locked one time and they're both like, my heart is twitterpated, and then they sing about it. But it's like weeks of first, like, not giving a shit about each other. And then suddenly being like, okay... We've made eye contact now. But further weeks of you not even coming near me? (laughs) And if we thought that was the end of his embarrassing mating dance, we're incorrect. (laughs) They walk past and he's like, oh my god, I'm like so full of joy. This is how Dante felt. But at the same time, he's like, oh my god, my boots are dust on them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, will I go on? (laughs) <laughs> he felt sure she had looked at his boots. <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm going to die. There was a speck of dust on my boots. Uh. As soon as they've disappeared, he's just like pacing like a madman. Um, it is probable that at times he laughed at himself aloud and just spoke to himself. He's so dreamy <laughs> that every one of the children's nannies nearby thought he was in love with her. Oh my god. I love that. All these random women just like, well, there's no way he's not because look at this behavior. (laughs) Uh, He finally runs out of the gardens into the street and just happens to run into, wouldn't you guess, 
It's Kufarek again. <laughs> well, Kufarek has just been watching him and like laughing this entire <laughs> That's time. That's true. Tiny little opera glasses so you can really see the show. <laughs> yeah, he's been sitting at a cafe with his coffee with like the whole gang just being like, look at him. <laughs> she walked past him and he's lost his fucking mind. Kufarek's like, oh God, I shouldn't have shamed him. Look what happened. He's literally <laughs> broken. <laughs> Oh, Marius was like, come have dinner with me. And we've had his whole breakdown of like how little money he spends on his whole life. But he's like, six francs on this meal. And he eats like a horse. <laughs> you know what else of him is like a horse? Oh my God. I don't get big dick energy from Marius. <laughs> what do you mean? Having a breakdown about dust on your shoes? <laughs> Maybe he is a surprise, a surprise boy. <laughs> Maybe Cosette could sense that. <laughs> and that's why oh she was God. like, okay. <laughs> uh, You're a mess, but I can work with this. She spent two weeks walking past him just to get a good gauge of his uh, <laughs> stride. That impressive stride. <laughs> um, over their meal, they are talking and he's like, um, Kufrak, have you read the paper? What a fine speech Audrey de Pueveau gave. He was hopelessly in love. From which I must extrapolate that Hugo's like, he must be a fool in love to think yeah. that that speech is good. <laughs> Definitely. It sparks of someone who's just like, <laughs> can you imagine anyone thinking that the speech was fucking good? You'd have to be an absolute idiot. <laughs> But it's like, there's just no doubt that that is what Hugo's getting at. <laughs> um, he was twice as unworldly as he was before. Um, <laughs> uh, they pass a girl who is crossing a gutter, so she lifts her skirt, and you could almost see her gutter. And Kofrek <gasps> came close to horrifying Marius by saying, I'd gladly add that woman to my collection. The whore, the gutter, <laughs> oh my god, in public? And then Kufarek invited him to lunch at the Café Voltaire! <laughs> <laughs> my boy, it's been a while. I knew he was coming, but these are part of the chapters that I'd read in case we got to them last week. <laughs> Just like knowing that Voltaire will be here. He's here every few chapters. And here he is. <laughs> so they go here to eat. And he's even more thoughtful and cheerful than usual. And a group of students gather around their table. And I assume it's just like, we only know one group of students. <laughs> I assume it's all the boys because um, Jean Prouvier is here. Because um, they're all chatting. And out of like nowhere, Marius is like, oh, all the same, it's very gratifying to have the Legion of Honor cross. What? <laughs> that's odd, Kofarak whispered to Jean Prouvier. No, replied Prouvier. That's serious. <laughs> it was indeed serious. <laughs> and this energy is not slowing down anytime soon. <laughs> He's only at the beginning of a great passion, Nemo. <laughs> I see. Oh, God. Yeah, we're in it for the long haul. Yeah, because that was it. Marius loved a woman. His destiny was entering on the unknown. And then Hugo's like, hey guys, I've got, let me just settle in, give some more opinions. A woman's look is like, 
certain seemingly harmless yet powerful machinations. Mm-hmm. Um, a time comes when you even forget that a woman is there, but then suddenly you feel caught. There is no escape. They hold you fast. The look has captured you. It has captured you. Never mind how or in what way. Oh, during some momentary distraction, you are doomed. You will be entirely swallowed up. Double entendre? Mm. Perhaps. Perhaps. He wishes. (laughs) (laughs) You struggle in vain. No one can help you now. Oh, you're going to pass through the mesh from cog to cog, agony to agony, torture to torture. You, your mind, your fortune, your future, your soul. (laughs) (laughs) And... Depending on what type of woman you've gone gone for, uh, depends how you're going to emerge from this machine, disfigured by shame or transfigured by passion. Mm, love it. <laughs> I swear, I read it and was like, didn't I read this paragraph out last week? But it's just the same song told in another way. I, <laughs> I was also trying. To like concentrate on what you were saying, but in my head, all I could be like was, you said machinations, which it reminds me of Machiavelli, which it, uh, I'm currently reading a, an autobiography of <laughs> Frederick, our yeah. boy Frederick the Great, and he was he wrote a treaty on anti Machiavellian things because he was like. I'm really anti-war. And then he immediately was like, I love war, actually. War is good. <laughs> now that uh, I'm reading them. So the entire time you were speaking, I was like, so this is about Friedrich the Great's love for Voltaire or <laughs> Voltaire's hatred of or the like um the hypoc- hip- hypocrite him being a hypocrite, Friedrich being mm. a hypocrite, uh about being anti-Machiavellian. <laughs> Well, I guess he just come up to me about Oh my god. <laughs> Next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> but before we can get to Machiavelli. Yeah. <laughs> I read this several times because it just kept getting me. Mm. Solitariness, detachment from everything, pride, independence, a feeling for nature, having no hundrum job to do. An introspective life. Secret struggles with chastity. Open-hearted <laughs> rapture before the whole of creation. All of these things had prepared Marius for this possession called passion. I was like, what? Squeeze me? He's not a virgin boy? <laughs> Streakret? Secret struggles with uh, chastity. This hasn't come up before. But I guess he lived with Kufrek for a time, and I guess he's a beautiful boy. It's I don't know. <laughs> what am I meant to extrapolate? Yeah, they did. They did share uh, everything. Like, was it they shared everything like brothers, or was that someone else? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think they. I think they did the um, the uh, Eton schoolboy uh, hand jobs. <laughs> it was just so like. We've been given absolutely nothing ever to imply that, Victor Hugo. Like, not once. Like, him seeing Cosette after six months and finally being like, oh, was the first time it was ever even implied that he... Like, actually, it's said that he's, like, never noticed women before. Mm. So it was like, what's all this? 
Yeah, like when when would it? Because when Gilnomand Gilnomand was like, oh, he's going to see a girl. He was like really surprised yeah, about it. Yeah, like thank he was so, God. Yeah. <laughs> so in the like, I can't remember. Has it been five years? Three years? Since then, I guess he's. Uh, he was seventeen when he left, and he's like twenty-one. Yeah. Twenty. Yeah. So he's he's I guess. Well, he has again. He has been hanging out of Kufarek. So even if they've they've not been sleeping together, which they have, it's <laughs> canon. Um, I guess Kufarek also took him to places? Question mark. Yeah, but he's been characterized so much as this like very well. I guess it is the most pious and those who protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then also he said secret struggles of chastity, mm. which means that it couldn't be that Kufarek was taking him because then it wouldn't be secret. It wouldn't be a secret. So he's been fucking someone, or at least thinking n- about it. Hmm. Yeah. I think that is very out of character, Victor Hugo. Yeah. <laughs> Based on whomst and whatst, I want receipts. <laughs> Um. You can't just be telling us that he's jerked off, he's given his seat to some other person without giving us a whole list, you know? <laughs> We've got to categorise these things. I won't rest! <laughs> um, it just really, like, maybe it doesn't need to throw a spanner in the characters into the works, <laughs> but I literally, like, stopped and was like, no! <laughs> but... How dare you, Victor Hugo? How dare you treat us so lightly like this just pretending like you've ever set that up before um <laughs> but i guess he said it with his words so when you tell and don't show what am i meant to do but believe it <laughs> um while Marius's devotion to his father had gradually become a religion unlike all religions it had retreated into the hinterland of his soul Mm. So something else needs to take the forefront, and that's love. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> For a whole month, so a month of Cosette Watch, every day, those gardens, at the same hour, nothing's detaining him. He's on duty, Kuferet would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in seventh heaven. Without any doubt, the girl was looking at him. And it's taken this month, but he's finally getting a bit closer to the bench. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> nearer, like not too nearer. Mm-hmm. Um, but some instinctive timidity or caution was telling him don't walk past the bench anymore. Yeah, it's the, the fucking aura that Jean Valjean is emitting. <laughs> Something's telling me and I can't put my finger on it. <sighs> but with a downright Machiavellianism, he can <laughs> This is when I was like, no, we can't let Nemo think that this is Nemo anymore. Um, (laughs) You must free me. Instead of walking by the bench, because that would be too obvious, he's finding statues and trees, and he's standing behind them, (laughs) where he reckons the girl can see him, but the dad can't, maybe. And he'll stand there motionlessly for four hours. (laughs) Mm, I feel like I've done this in my life. I think that you wouldn't do a four hours. No, okay, yeah, four hours is is pushing it, maybe. I think that at a push, 
you'd maybe do an hour and a half. <laughs> but I think that you would be crumpled up into tissue paper emotionally inside and you'd just leave and then leave the country. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Motionless for hours at a stretch at a time in the shadow of some statue. Uh, but you know what? Because this is himbo for himbo, she's seeing him there and she's giving him a vague smile. God. And her nature is so calm and she's chatting with her this white haired man. Her, while her virginal and passionate <laughs> gaze dwelt dreamily on Marius, an ancient ploy, um, one that Eve knew of from the first day of the world, and one that every woman knows from the first day of her life. With her lips, she responded to one, and with her eyes to the other. Women, you <laughs> tricksy creatures. God, I, I remember the training that we got. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the womb, it was already hardwired into our brains yeah uh remember gals uh virginal but passionate (laughs) promising with your lips what your eyes sell to another (laughs) (laughs) so like victor hugo and marius are just like you can't uncross those two fingers he can't won't stop dipping himself into this um comedic love tale (laughs) it's very like um swapping between like a perfume ad that she's Mm. in where she's like (laughs) you can't see what i'm doing but (laughs) tossing my hair back and forth you've got a lot of hair i can picture it (laughs) (laughs) beauty (laughs) and then like to him who's just like behind a tree like He's in his head, he's like, I look fucking great, I'm in my best clothes. He feels like he's in a he's in a, a cologne advert where he's like leaning against a tree and he's like the wind rustling his hair, but really he's just like shaking like a leaf and also sweating profusely. Yeah, when the when the line says that he doesn't move for hours at a time, like he's in the same spot, but he is vibrating. <laughs> all time (laughs) well you know what it's likely however that monsieur leblanc he's probably noticed something (laughs) yeah you want to bet that the uh, ex-convict has his head on the swivel for a man standing and watching him for four (laughs) hours for months at a time (laughs) i don't know what could have tipped him off because you know this this tree is pretty good hiding spot. Like it, even though they're sat next to each other on a on the same bench, I am perfectly in her eyeline, and he can't see anything at all. <laughs> I really am imagining it as one of those like really, really thin, like silver birch. Yeah, same. <laughs> like he's a little weedy boy for sure yeah. with his little goatee but you like he's not thinner than the silver birch I'm picturing <laughs> and also there's no leaves on the tree in my imagination <laughs> he's got his arms like lifted to the side of his head like tree branches <laughs> missing from you know like there's just so much in this text that if we cut the rest of the crap it's just a panto. <laughs> 
is begging for it. It is. How much how much do you think that Cameron Macintosh would spend to get us assassinated before we could mount a Les Mis uh, panto? I wouldn't need that much money from him for us to give up on our dream of panto, Cameron Macintosh, if you're interested in stopping us. Because Christmas is coming up. Yeah, we start pitching it now, um, and then we can buy a house next year. <laughs> our two-man show of this. <laughs> um, coming to Edinburgh Fringe 2022. Oh no, it is coming to Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, TM, 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 copyright. <laughs> um, well, something's tipped him off because um, whenever they walk around the gardens, uh, Monsieur Leblanc and the girl. The funny thing is, this this random boy just starts following them. <laughs> and um, Marius doesn't realize that he's made a mistake in yeah. doing that. Oh boy, big mistake. <laughs> and then second mistake, so sometimes Monsieur LeBlanc, he comes alone. And on those days, Marius does not stay. Another mistake. <laughs> so Marius doesn't see these warning signs. <laughs> His love's too busy going, and he dreams of her every night. And then it's just literally a pantomime. Mm. One day, what luck, a handkerchief has been left on the bench. <laughs> I've been waiting. <laughs> the most beautiful fine linen handkerchief that seems to exude this ineffable fragrance. Mm-hmm. squeezes it in rapture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's marked with the letters UF. He knows nothing about this beautiful girl. Nothing about where she lives. But all these two letters, the first thing that he knows about her. What adorable initials. (laughs) Uh, And he's immediately like, oh, you, it must mean S-U. What a delightful name. And he kisses the handkerchief, breathes in its scent. During the day, he places it on his heart, on his flesh. (laughs) (laughs) That's the secret chastity (laughs) gone. Well, now I'll allow for his uh, secret chastity problem. But, um, and at night, he falls asleep with it on his lips. I can smell her entire being. <laughs> this handkerchief belonged to the old gentleman. <laughs> my favourite, my favourite thing of this novel. <sighs> so, like- canonically... Uh, Marius Pomesi has a goatee and also has a scenting kink. Yeah. And canonically, Jean Valjean has an ineffable fragrance. Mm, an ineffable musk. Mm. <laughs> Where's that in the fanfics? Come on, Javert needs to smell him all the time. Just be like, wow, you have an ineffable musk about you. <laughs> oh, ineffable just makes me think of Good Omens. It's, yeah, like... <laughs> Does that word exist outside of Good Omens? I don't think so. I don't so. think it was legally allowed to. <laughs> wow. Well, turns out, oh, Jen, he just dropped it. It just fell out of his pocket. And so every time Marius goes back, he makes this big thing about pulling the handkerchief out and kissing it and pressing it to his heart. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cosette was completely baffled. And she conveys this with discreet glances to him. I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? What modesty, said Marius. Uh, 
Why don't we have three million dollars to make this? I think we could do it with ten pounds. <laughs> no, but do give us three million dollars. But like that scene, literally, the way like I don't know about everywhere else, but the way that British pantos go and the shit that we laugh at, like I love a good bad panto. The scene is written for you. Like everyone would see the old man drop the handkerchief and then this silly boy come and make out with it. Everyone's just going to be tittering away. They'd love it. Like you don't need to do anything more with that. Already they're laughing. Genuinely. Well, Nemo, even more veterans can be happy. <laughs> Next chapter. <laughs> so, since we've mentioned the word modesty, mm-hmm. um, and since we, Victor Hugo, have nothing to hide, mm-hmm. <laughs> we should say that on one occasion, in the midst of his raptures, his asyl had given him very serious grounds for complaint. <gasps> so it's not just that her eyes are sad, but her smile is happy, and that one could maybe complain about that, another complaint. There was a day, a very windy day, mm. and the girl and Monsieur Leblanc were walking in the park and Marius is walking behind them, of course, as he <laughs> always is. Um, and a sudden gust of wind comes <laughs> along into her path and enveloped the young girl in a delicious shiver worthy of Virgil's nymphs. Yeah. <laughs> And lifted her dress <gasps> almost to the height of her garter. The whore! <laughs> and exquisitely, exquisitely shaped leg appeared. Marius saw it. He was incensed, infuriated. You are right, sir. She is a whore. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh my god, immediately trying to pat that dress down. But it's too late. He's upset. What if there had been someone there? What if there had been? Imagine such a thing. It was horrifying what she had just done. Alas, the poor child had done nothing. But, um, well, he's jealous of his own shadow, Marius, and he's determined to be cross. (laughs) So it is with that bitter and peculiar jealousy of the flesh awakened in the human heart and asserts itself without justification. Leaving aside being jealous, there was nothing at all agreeable to him about the sight of that lovely leg. Any other woman's white stocking would have given him more pleasure. So he's Mm. just angry that someone might have seen that leg. But I guess at least Hugo's kind of uh, ripping ripping him apart for it. Mm. Yeah, true. Kind of. Kind of. Um, yeah, when, when she then passes Marius, he darts her a fierce and sullen look. She stiffened and was like, gives him an eyebrow look that signifies, what's the matter with him? And this is their first tip. Uh-huh. He's just like, how dare? But like the text just like, once again, is like, she literally didn't do anything. But yeah. then you're gripped by passion. Mm. <laughs> And really healthy coping mechanisms he's got there, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... He just, like, wants a quarrel. Mm. And, well, someone happens to come along the path. A very wrinkled, white-haired war veteran in a uniform. Um, and he gives Marius this little wink and a little brotherly look. As if to say, hoo-hoo, we've shared some stroke of luck. What if he was there, Marius thought to oh himself. What if he saw... 
he felt like killing the veteran. <laughs> <laughs> this has escalated from the uh, where we were, but two two chapters ago. <laughs> I, I couldn't remember what happened to the veteran and for a second I was like, oh yeah, Marius like straights up like <laughs> doesn't kill a bitch, but like <laughs> punches him in the face. But he didn't, right? Okay. He doesn't actually, but he's really thinking about it. Mm. Well, this is quite the slight for Marius and he sulked for three days. Oh my god, bitch. Come on. <laughs> so, we'd already departed from Nemo and Marius walking down the path together but he's definitely diverted you're, you're not marius it's okay not yeah right okay. Now. <laughs> well i also want to kill some veterans no <laughs> <laughs> not for them seeing your lovely lady's shapely <laughs> leg perhaps in a breeze that she couldn't help and who knows maybe he didn't even see I want to punish all of those whores for for showing their shapely legs didn't even like that shapely leg. I would have preferred to see ten other women's. <laughs> the, that other woman's garter who Kufarek wanted to add to his collection. <laughs> well, we've just seen how Marius discovered, or thought he discovered, that she was called Esul. Mm. Um, appetite comes with loving. To know that her name was Esul had already, was already a great deal, but still, like, not much. And it's been weeks that he's been consumed by this blessing, but he wants another. Mm. Um, and yeah, it goes from like, oh, Marius, you embarrassing little nerd shaking behind that tree to like, <laughs> Marius, I'm serving you the restraining order. Because mm. uh, he just really wants to know where she lives. Mm. But luckily... This is his third mistake. Yeah. And we've got an old man who is now clucked into this sweaty boy. <laughs> He's got his scent. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he does uh, follows her home, finds out where she lives in this unpretentious three-story house, and now one of his greatest joys is following her home. Mm. His hunger increased. Mm. So now he knows her name, or maybe well the first letter, a lovely name, a truly feminine name. Um, he knew where she lived, and he wanted to know who she was. Oh, so he just goes up to the porter and is like, "Was that the gentleman on the first floor that just came in?" And he's like, "No, third floor." And Maris is like, "Oh," but inside he's like, "Yes." <laughs> third floor I've got information um, and he's like what does he do for a living he's like an independent man of means monsieur um, very kind man not rich uh, but he's good to the poor what's his name said Marius and the porter's like is monsieur a police spy <laughs> so best boy porter is like um snitches <laughs> And Marius scampers away, shamefaced, but overjoyed. He's making progress. Because now he knows she lives on the third floor. So, the next day, Monsieur Leblanc and his daughter were only in the gardens very briefly. And it was still light when they left. But Marius was like, it's fine. <laughs> I just follow them home. Uh, as he's become in the habit of doing. But when they get to the entrance of the park, Monsieur Leblanc lets his daughter go ahead of him. And then turned and stared intently at Marius. <laughs> 
So the next day, they don't show up at the gardens at all because that was yeah. enough to scare Marius off. He's like, I've come back for more. So a week went goes by in this manner that he'll go to the gardens. They're not there. So he go- walks to their house and stands outside of it till the light goes out. Marius, watch it. <laughs> um, but on the eighth day, there wasn't a light in the window. And he's like, oh, that's strange. They're not home yet. Oh, well, no matter. Maybe they've gone out. Um, and he's waiting there and it's gone midnight. And it's like, Marius, oh go home, you little <laughs> creeper. Um, he's there until one in the morning. And then the next day, because he existed only in terms of the next day, for him there was, so to speak, no today. Um, <laughs> the next day, back at the gardens, nothing. Goes to the house, nothing. Shutters are closed today. Uh, he knocks on the door and asks the porter, Gentleman on the third floor? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, he's gone, bitch. <laughs> like, Oof. Uh, how long ago? Yesterday. Where's he going? I don't know. The dress? No. Well, well, he said, finally recognizing Marius. It's you again. So you really are a police sleuth then. <laughs> he's my. Current chapter's MVP, the yeah, porter, who's like, sure. he'll never notice me, Monsieur LeBlanc, or whatever, you F? What were the letters on that handkerchief? Yeah, you F. Ultimate Fauchelevon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he'll never notice me, but I've noticed how nervous he gets around police. And... I will protect you. <laughs> Striking gentle the gentleman in a in a beautifully pressed uniform. So he's keeping his identity secret and chasing off this weird boy who just I like to actually imagine that the porter just in doing his job, which I guess is to just hang out at that front window, is just like clocking this boy who's <laughs> outside of that window till one PM like one AM. Yeah, just like watching, like talking to his spouse and just being like, uh, the boy's back again. Uh, what's he doing now? Still staring at that window. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. Uh, I, I think he he would have told Ultimate Foch Levant, Monsieur yeah. LeBlanc, like, yeah, that boy, he's my logbook. He was here yeah. the whole my whole shift. He, uh, he took two steps to the left, two steps to the right. His hands made these movements, just in case they might be sign language. So, embarrassing for Marius. And I really raced this through a lot of chapters there, actually, because I had so much fun retelling them. <laughs> <laughs> he really went from, like, cringy, embarrassing, but, like, in mm. a way was, like, pathetic, but I was like, oh, you little fool. To like mm. Marius. Did no one ever I guess no one ever did teach you not to hang outside a girl's window. I feel like his granddad actually would have encouraged that. Yeah, actually that's probably something that was modelled for him. <laughs> so doesn't make it any less weird, you little creep. Yeah, I was kind of like, you know, kind of being convinced onto his side, but no, absolutely not. <laughs> um like it's just Maybe it's just the, like, uh, aromantic, asexual in me where I'm like, don't you get bored? 
staring into a window that just has a candle in it. Like, you can't even see her through it. I guess he couldn't text her or anything. So it's not like they could be, like, staying up late chatting. So what else do you have to do but, like, be like, oh, was that her shadow that passed that window? No, it's just a breeze. Oh, maybe that time, though. Like, written letters or, like, done some poetry in the park or, like, learnt to sing. Oh, my God. No, imagine. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather you silently stand outside my window than come (laughs) sing outside it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, actually. Oh, my God. Imagine. Oh. But then, what what do we think? Do we think Cosette would have been into it? Because she's been having eyebrow conversations with him across this park while he's been blatantly trying to hide behind a statue. And she's been kind yeah. of into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think she would be into it, but part of me wants her to be intelligent about it. <laughs> and yeah. to be like, fuck this weird ratty boy. That she'd be like, shh. Don't speak. You'll ruin your face. <laughs> yeah, literally. Oh, Marius. You chase them away now, like, single-handedly. <laughs> yeah, I do find that very funny, that um, John Valjean, like, stopped at the front gates, like, gave him the stinkiest stink eye and was <laughs> like, yep, all right, we're moving. Yeah, I'm like, um, I don't need the smell of sweaty teen boy outside my window actually because I know you think that it's because that's room the same way you think that's a handkerchief but like I don't need you looking through my window (laughs) oh what a fool (laughs) or I guess like well we couldn't make that argument but in this um miscommunication panto which requires even more miscommunication than in the text Mm. Jean Valjean is like, oh no, it's me he's into. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And he's like trying to like give off signals like, too young, too young for me, too young. Too young, too cringe. <laughs> that goatee does not do it for no. me. <laughs> that he's like, or he's thinking, oh, when Cosette isn't here, this boy leaves because he needs the barrier of my daughter being here. Mm. But he knows it would be too obvious if he stayed when it was just me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, oh, God. he see, he's actually was going back to the park. He realized, oh, no, I left my handkerchief. And because that's the one who embroidered it for me. I, I couldn't leave that <laughs> precious keepsake. And just sees him like putting little kisses, little butterfly kisses on that <laughs> handkerchief. <laughs> And it was just like, oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry. It's all my fault. We have to move. Like, I can't be dealing with... I cannot be having this in my life. I've just... I've had too much excitement. I can't have a young thing right now. (laughs) Um, How many uh, Jean Valjean Marius fix do you think there are? I'm going to say... I don't even think there'll be this many, but I'm going to say three. There's four. <gasps> oh, so yeah. close. So one's in Chinese, so that still counts. Yeah. What about them? Do you find intriguing Chinese market? <laughs> <laughs> Leave a comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, bad guys made them do it, so I don't think it's. Oh. Uh, 
Um, oh, it's a translation from uh, one of the other things oh, okay. into Chinese. So. Do any of them mention the handkerchief? Um, you'd think. Um... That's begging for an Alpha Beta Omega fig. Where... <laughs> Okay, I'm just gonna lay it out for you all now because yeah, we've got yeah. ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. So those ones that have true mates, where when you smell their scent, you're like, "Oh, my <laughs> destined to be." But the mystical communication is that Marius is like, "Of course, it's Cosette." Um, I guess that just makes sense because I didn't smell her for weeks. Like we weren't <laughs> interested in each other, but it looks like puberty hit. So I guess now she's presented as whichever of the three um he's assuming that she's his alpha because there's nothing about marius that says alpha (laughs) (laughs) um but it's actually that submissive and (laughs) breathable yeah very um (laughs) but um actually jean Valjean's just like run run out of suppressants (laughs) he needed to save some money because he wanted to buy some beautiful treat for Cosette because he loves her so much um, mm. so it's just that it happened to coincide with the time where he gets the full power of his real true mate scent <laughs> for the first time <laughs> so when he sniffs the handkerchief and he's like yes it is the smell of my mate, my true mate yeah. <laughs> it is just Jean Valjean he's been sniffing um, but I don't know where the fit goes from there <laughs> Mm. Well, I guess you'll have to write it and see. Yeah, I guess I have to. If no, if no one leaves a comment or review this week, <laughs> then that's the threat. <laughs> I'll go through with it. I don't think that anyone's going to see it as a threat. I think they're going to want you to do it. Uh, I thought that at least you, Nemo, would see it as a threat and leave a fake review. <laughs> <laughs> from there because Jean Valjean would have known the whole time but But... well it kind of depends on whether it's going to be reciprocated or not (gasps) oh that's so tragic though I can't handle (laughs) I can't actually handle sadness Nemo if you could tell from me going through this book with you um (laughs) oh Jean Valjean's just like no I've been through too much and Look at this young man and his beautiful goatee. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't saddle him with me. He must have so many prospects. And we're like, Jean Valjean, he's got not a one. I, for a because mo- I don't read ABO fix, when you were like, I couldn't saddle this young man. And it's like, there are saddles? Oh my God. Is that because of the, it's knotting, right? Like, yeah. it must be like quite a, an ordeal that you have to like saddle your submissive, breedable <laughs> little boy in order to like strap him down. And then it was only like, once you finished the sentence, and I was like, oh, you mean like metaphorically? <laughs> Only this time do I mean metaphorically. <laughs> wow. Maybe the comment that is left is should be like, how do you want this fic to end, guys? Choose your own adventure. Yeah. Is, um, it, is it unreciprocated bond? But how much guilt would that make Jean Valjean feel? <laughs> like he already is riddled with a lot of guilt at all times. Like, imagine... Uh, like when Marius finally realizes, and Jean Valjean's like, "Oh no, would he obligate? Uh, would he mate him out of obligation?" 
<laughs> obligation meeting. Wouldn't that make him feel worse though? Because like it, but okay. But would he tell Marius? <laughs> A is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? Or B is it worse that Jean Valjean has raised the kids' hopes by mating with him? Mm. And then presenting this as a scenario that can continue on. Yeah. All sad. (laughs) I mean, I guess we'll see it's reciprocated and they have to get over that whole thing. (laughs) God. (laughs) Why is this? This is true. Like, I guess everyone now who, the 20 of you listening still, (laughs) my journey has gone from like, I understand why people enjoy Daddy Kink, but it's not for me. And I don't. (laughs) I can't read those fics. So, like, all of my ships are just such daddy kink ships where you're just like, I guess I just have to, like, it's not my thing, but it's fine. It, I, It's okay. It can happen. And I'll just, like, let it happen and it's fine. So, crafting this fic, <laughs> which is going to have all those tags, the, like, younger man, older man. <laughs> Age difference. <laughs> Size king? different. Size king. Well, well, you choose your ending. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll have to do a tombola roll and Nemo selects the ending I have to write from a hat. And it'll be a worse one than those three. Yeah. It's it's actually like um, that because um, uh, who has been in love with Marius gets i don't know killed and because you've got a fridge the woman right and then um i'm a professional writer (laughs) (laughs) i can come up with plots oh also Uh, because that's been written really bitchily because we're writing uh we're writing slash fic in (laughs) whatever the year was when we were teens god um 2010 20 not was it not further back than that yeah i guess 2008 is like when did i start anime is when i that's when i started watching uh bl so that's peak bitchy woman in a bl for me i did some maths and i don't like the year oh no (laughs) the general years that came up so but yes no you're correct (laughs) sorry i got distracted (laughs) by my own like oh god is it that that long um yeah so because that's been written really bitchily anyway so actually when they both like and jean valjean's like i don't even want you for a daughter anymore the reader's (laughs) like yeah this is actually exactly what i wanted yeah it's actually like that trope in a lot of yaoi anime where um, one of the main characters reveals like six episodes in that he's actually got a fiance. Um, Classic. Yeah, but it, it's that, but like with the Jean Valjean daughter thing, right? Mm. <laughs> What's that? Was it a post? The one that was like um, so homoerotic that you become misogynist? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, so so misogynist it becomes homoerotic. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's um uh oh, you're a misogynist. That's very gay of you. <laughs> you want to prioritize men over women. Okay, gay. <laughs> well, well. Yeah, if no one does anything to stop us, I guess that's the <laughs> ending we have to write. 
And that'll be on you. Oh my god. Um, this has been Brad and Brackets. <laughs> yeah. End it here, please. Uh, a podcast, uh, produced by me, Nima Martin, and Julian Yap. And, um, I hope to god this isn't one of the episodes that my supervisors listen to. It'll be the only one they listen to. Yeah. Uh, if you like this episode and you want to, um, give us some recommendations for what should happen in the fanfic you can send us an email lamerspodcast at gmail.com l-e-s-m-i-s podcast gmail.com or on twitter lamerspodcast or on tumblr at brad and barricades you can also send us a review on itunes and uh that review should just be about how submissive and breedable <laughs> marius is because we really really like to advertise the show <laughs> to new markets if it's not obvious from my tone, I am rubbing my temples in. <laughs> Don't worry, I've been doing the same. <laughs> <laughs> rubbing the dry skin that lives at my temples. <laughs> our sound designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasavi.com, or on her bandcamp, jadewasavi.bandcamp.com. Um, and I think that's everything, so thank you for listening. Yeah, sorry for listening. <laughs> God the most fun I've had all week. Like, this is the conversations that we have off air, what we don't get recorded <laughs> well, having. Well, Editor Nemo can decide what to do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's all gonna stay in. So. <laughs> yeah, realistically.